This program is brought to you by Spartan Sports. Unearth the warrior in you. Hello and welcome to Lunch with Lee. I'm your host, Shane Lee. On the show, Steve Menzies, a former professional rugby league player, playing a massive 470 first grade games and 280 for the Manly Club. He's also played 20 games for New South Wales and 13 tests for his country. And post-career works as a mortgage broker for Citywide Group and Spartan Sports in their rugby league program. He's Manly's favourite son and an NRL Hall of Famer. And Matt Dunning, a former rugby union footballer, playing 90 matches for the Waratahs and 45 tests for Australia. Post-career works with CBRE and Spartan Sports in their rugby union program. Let's get started. Welcome to the show. On the show today, Steve Menzies, a former rugby league player. He's Manly's favourite son. Welcome, Steve. Thanks very much for having me. Mate, good man. And Matt Dunning, a former rugby union footballer, uh, playing 90 matches for the Waratahs and 45 tests for Australia. Mate, you're part of the 45 club. I played 45 games for the, the green and gold too, so it's just you and I. Yeah, no, 45 and six on the bench too. All I, all I wanted was 50. <laughs> And I got 45 and left the bench six times. And then. Uh, oh, they don't count the benches? No, as a game? Cause really? Because I didn't get on. Oh, you didn't get, get on. Because rugby's not rugby league. You can play a full 80. And then it's actually yeah, 99 with the Waratahs. I got stranded on 99 with the Waratahs. Oh. That was 90 Super Rugby games. So uh, all I wanted was 100 games with the Waratahs and 50 tests, and I'd be happy and fell short. Fell short of both of them. Just. Oh, failure. <laughs> and during the day, post career, Steve, you work at the mortgage broking game and do some stuff with Spartan Sports? Yeah, obviously Spartan Sports, good uh, good lads down there. We look after our local schools and, and yep. community, um, <coughs> getting the footies and the brand out there and, and helping the kids. It's good. And the mortgage broking keeps me busy day to day. I really enjoy it. Help people um, yeah, save money on their home loans. Fantastic. And it's good. It's good. It's finding a passion after rugby league, which I think is important and yeah, it's good to have found something. And Maddie, yourself, you're at CBRE dur- yep. during the working hours and also head up for Spartan Sports, the, the rugby union program as well. Yeah, look, I love being part of the Spartan team, same as Beaver. Um, you know, it's really interesting to be involved. And obviously Spartan's a bit new to rugby and they're just, uh, they're just killing it. So it's really good to be part of something that's growing and obviously got a great history in cricket and just to bring that into other sports has been a, been a lot of fun. And as, Be- uh, as Beaver said, we have a lot of fun down there. So it's, it's, it's good fun. <laughs> midday lunches on a Friday. Yeah, I, don't, I only get invited to half of them. What's the story? This is, I thought this was one of them. Well, yeah. ben, well, ben, but it's not. I'm working. You didn't tell me this. Ben Carberry's gone up with Matt Rigney today. The, the Spartan guys got up to Newcastle because I think the Hunter is now for the first time going to be in the shoot shield. Yeah, this yep. year. they're in the shoot shield, so they're going to be playing the shoot shield in the comp, which is great. So the last, the last time they were in the comp was in '99. Wow! And I played against them in their last game. So in '99, Eastwood we won the comp first first time Eastwood had ever won the comp, and the last game of the season was a bit of a trip down to play the wildfires in their last game, and they beat us. So uh, go. they got a good, got a good, um, they're yeah. coming off a good win. So yeah. So boy, <laughs> interesting times at the moment. You know, I thought the show today we'd talk about you know, got rugby union and rugby league and. And um, some of the news that came out yesterday, looking at playing a hybrid game against the All Blacks, the Kangaroos. Did, the, did you read that? No, I, yeah. didn't, I didn't. I heard about it. But what, what are the rules? Were they just going to go half half, or what's the or the hybrid? I had no what's idea. The, the, I, I didn't read the thing. I, I, they said fourteen on fourteen. Okay. And they, I don't know if they're going to hybrid the game or they're going to play half half. But I, I reckon at the moment with COVID and not being able to travel for international matches, it's a perfect time to do mm. it. And I reckon it, it'd get unbelievable attention. Like it could be similar to like the Conor McGregor. Mayweather fight. Yeah, like yeah. It's to, I think it'll get a lot of interest, and I think you know we're going to be starved for sort of international sport for sure. travel for a while. I think it's a fantastic idea. Yeah, I'd, lo- I'd like to know the rules of how, how, what structures yeah. and what they want to put in place because it's the different be, games, right? 
Yeah, yeah, really. Oh, it's, it's a massive different game. So, yeah. like, I played in the front row in rugby, rugby union, and like, there's there's no spot for anyone. Like, there's no no, no yeah. blokes like me playing rugby league. Like, it's sort no. of a non-transferable position. You know, Brad Thorne's probably the only one who's come from league and played in the tight five in rugby. And, you know, he's more of a back mm. rower mould. You know, Beaver played second row and he probably would have played in the centres, yeah. possibly that's, back that's row. That's cool. We played, I played fullback or, or inside centre or something. So, yeah, so but it's Sonny Bill was a back rower, <coughs> a second rower, and he played in the, in the centres in, in league. So, you know, that, that's, that's, that's the problem. The, the, the major issue with the hybrid game is going to be the scrum because it, sure. you're just not going to have any league players going to be able to play in a proper rugby union scrum. None. Um, the line out something you can sort, of, and the line out's going to be difficult for them too. Well, right? Even just rucks and moors, like as, yeah. as a league, you can get in there and do a bit of stuff. But <laughs> we, we don't know what to do, and I think the, the ten meters getting back ten meters. I think oh. rugby boys are because of the, the you know there's certain skill sets and bot, different body shapes 100%. to to be built for for scrums and be built for line outs that. They wouldn't be able to get back. I remember actually, actually Garrick Morgan when he played. Oh, yeah. Come back to yeah. the Crushers. Um, yeah, amazing rugby player, but it was hard for him to come back and get onside the 10 metres to rush up again and the wrestling. So different fitness, definitely. Just oh, a different, different fitness with yeah, different 100%. skill sets. Like it's, so it's, I don't know, what, what do you do? Three man scrums and get back three metres. I oh, know, well, that's no. a, it's a pretty order game, <laughs> that one. But what, so, so Matty, where, where's rugby at right now? It, it seems to be in a really dark place at the moment. Yeah, look, I, I'm not involved. You know, on the coalface these days, young family and work. But um, yeah, I'm I'm watching it. Obviously, one of the you know a, a big rugby fan and really disappointed with where rugby is at the moment. There's no sort of there's no sort of sugar coating it. You know, crowd attendance is at an all time low. Like people come up to me and I, I remember people rushing to get to a Waratahs game every you know every Saturday night and the members being full and playing in five thirty five thousand people plus. You know, a bad crowd was 27. If we didn't get 25, they would shit themselves, you know? Yeah, right. But if they had 25 now, it wouldn't happen, you know? It, it just, <laughs> They'd do the same. Yeah. <laughs> For a different reason. <laughs> so, you know, it's just... I, there's obviously still... There's still a lot of... Um, there's still a lot of um, interest in the international game. Yep. I think, you know, rugby probably... You know, and, and, and this is my opinion, obviously, but rugby as a global game is it's probably never been stronger. You know, New Zealand's flying, the UK's flying, they're, they're talking about bringing a comp into the US. You know, rugby everywhere else is flying. Yeah, Northern Hemisphere. In Northern Hemisphere. Yep. It's so going, what's the reason? What, what, what can we do? What's, what's something that, that can help them? I think there's a massive disconnection between our, our grassroots, top. grass and top. You know, yeah. there's, there's a massive disconnection. Now, you know, everyone's gone on about it and, and, and this it's... it's I, I'm not going to be arrogant enough to think that I can solve that in one second and say, you know, yeah. I, and I think too many people are just saying, there's a problem, fix it this way. And it, gotcha. it's a lot more complicated than that. Like, the There's not one solution. Nah. Right? There's not one thing that you could change. It's, yeah. it's all going to be good. Yeah. I think like for me, and I worked New South Rugby back in the day before they went under <laughs> in 2000. And um, it's the junior administration officer when I was trying to, you know, play and, you know, a bit extra money and I had an academy contract. And, you know, we had development offices all over New South Wales, you know, and, and that was the connection between the Waratahs and everywhere, mm. you know, and, and that's not here anymore. So AFL appear to do it really well. They have yep. players out there, you know, league do it really well. You know, the Waratahs, we've got one team, so the coverage is harder. But, you know, having young blokes who turn up in a Waratah shirt or young aspiring players, we, we give a few bob to a lot at uni to go out to schools and promote the game and have a direct connection with the players. So the relationship, similar ages, they get them to come out and they have fun, hang out with them. And it's it sort of, that's what it used to happen. You know, the development officers were, were friendly with all of us as players. And you do, th- you help them out as a favour. You go into the country for a weekend and, you know, speak at a dinner, do a coaching clinic and you'd just be happy to get a, 
free night in the drink and <laughs> and, uh, and and coach the kids, you know. But um, you know they can't drink these days, um, no. you know. So, but um, yeah, it, it's just a real disconnection. I think we've got to solve it um, because I think, in many respects, from an actual, you know, obviously not being the All Blacks in eighteen years, whatever it is, is yeah. it's not helping. It in, in an actual Bledisloe series isn't helping and. You know, we've got a team now, and this is the irony of Australian rugby, I think we've got a team now as physical specimens and as, you know, world-class athletes, we're, we're as good as we've ever been. The issue is we haven't got the football brains as we used no. to have. We used to always, we always used to be never as good as the All Blacks, but we used to hang our hat on as being smarter. We, we seem to talk about them too much, the All Blacks. I, I know when I, I played in some very, very good teams with the, with the Australian team and New South Wales team, but also some pretty poor teams in New South Wales as well. We had most Australian players were, you know, out of the New South Wales team. But it's a lack of confidence. But you, you never want to talk about an opposition more than, than your own team, I think. And I, I just always hear them talking about the All Blacks all the time. It's like too much. I know that they're a great team. We've got to aspire to be like them. But if you're in awe of them, it's pretty hard to beat them. Well, they've got an awe And that's around the world. Yeah. Like, and I heard rumours they're going to start selling the brand like Manchester United did in Real Madrid. It's, mm. it's that kind of brand. Like, yeah. you know, maybe not as high, but mm. it's that kind of brand, that kind of aura. You know, Munster Munth, beat uh, the All Blacks in 1978 at home, you know, in, in the yeah. old days when they toured. They made a fucking play out of that. that, that that's the biggest story. Like, that's the aura. You know? yeah. like, it, it's just they're the aura, they're the, they're, they're the benchmark of rugby, and, and they are at the moment. You know, they live and breathe it. Um, mm. You know, Australia, we're not, we're not, you know, we're not even a top... We're a second-tier sport, you know, and that's reality at the moment. It's funny you say, when, when I was doing my research for today, um, uh, Steve, I sort of got, got online, and normally when you, you Google a, a rugby league player's played for a long time, there's <laughs> what normally... Did you, a, what did you Google? Well, there's, no, there's not normally a litany of, um, of misdemeanors, <laughs> but, um, but I don't know whether you played <laughs> the wrong sport or not. You're, you're a clean skin, which is... Would you Google my nickname, or would you Google? <laughs> well, mate, it's funny, that I've got, I've got a good story about that. Uh, I know a, Tell a, us. A, a mutual friend, a guy called Paul Ford, mm. um, who worked in uh, with, with Craig Hodges at King Content. I took my brother Brett in uh, for a, a big meeting. They had some sponsor for over in India. And um, at the time, Brett was doing some work with F45 gyms. And we went into this uh, agency, and it probably, you know, Paul was there, Paul Ford, and they brought in about six or seven different girls there to be, in, I think they probably wanted to meet Brett. And, and um, Paul said, uh, Brett, do you see much, much beaver in your gym? And Brett's sort of face went really blank, and the girls sort of put their heads down. I said, "Oh, Brett, he's talking about Steve Menzies. That's your nickname, right?" <laughs> I was going up there. I was I was training at forty five up at um, C four there. You're right. Yeah, fair call. I yeah. would have said, "Yeah, he's, yeah. he's there Tuesday, Thursday." Now, when he said to Brett, "You know, do you see much beaver in Jim?" Brett said, "No, I'm, I'm a happily married man, mate. So <laughs> that's all good." But um, but yes, yeah, so I said, mate. So I was talking to Todd Greenberg was on the show only um a couple of weeks ago, and he was sort of saying that there was a playbook developed within the NRL that. If anything happened, a crisis management, and on, on a Monday morning he'd turn his phone on and go, you know, let's see what happened this weekend, and he'd turn his phone on and go, what, what, what's a bubbler, right? That sort of thing. <laughs> but, mate, you're an absolute clean skin. You're, you're, you're Manly's, you're Manly's favourite son. Mate, you had some fantastic times, obviously, playing. Yeah. It was, um, I was trying to think of some stories there. I haven't got any good stories. Now, look, look it, it's, you know, you, you sort of come through your career, and I was born in Manly Hospital, always a local junior, and you grow up just... Loving the game, and I, 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 if I could play tomorrow, I'd play tomorrow. You know, I just love playing. It's um, yeah, and you come and we used to go to Brookvale Oval and run on the field, and you yeah, you know, used to be able to jump on the field and pat your you know, your legends and touch them and move on to the next one and jump over, grab the corner post, all that type of stuff that you you could do, and you just want to be like those guys. They had real jobs, everyone, but you just wanted to play footy and to come through the junior ranks and get an opportunity to play at Manly. Uh, and then 
go on and play your whole career there, and it's um, pretty special. Yeah, yeah, really special. And, and yep. your grandfather too was a Mackie Campbell was one of <laughs> yeah. the original founders of, of, of Manly Football Club. Yeah, in '47, he played in our first yeah. ever first grade side well. in the centre. Yeah, in yeah. the first grade um, in '47, in their first first grade side. So, yeah, he, he used to love his love the footy and get in there, and yeah, you know, he'd have the old VHS. He used to tape all the games and. Whoever we're playing this week, he would... He'd do the review for you. He would do the review, <laughs> but, from, yeah, but from last year's game. The players could be different. He goes, all right, you're playing South this week now. You know what you've got to do? And I said, Pop, that was like 12 yeah. months ago. But yeah, this week. <laughs> but he, he loved it. It, it was good. And um, actually, I've got, a, I've got a, a funny story that I, I, that I will tell about family and history and rugby league. And so my grandma's lives up with my mum. She's, yep. she's 93, so she's there. And we're sitting around and we're talking about... Yeah, field goals and someone kicking a field goal. And we're going, oh, yeah, you know, it's pretty tough. They do it. And my wife goes, well, uh, you know, it's not that difficult. You know, <laughs> AFL players do it all the time. <laughs> AFL players do it from 50 metres out. And we're looking going, oh, my God. And no, 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 the ball has to hit the ground before. Anyway, so we laugh for like 10 minutes. Yeah. Look, you didn't know. She's been watching rugby league. Yeah, we've been together 18 years. She's been. <laughs> never realised. Never, never realised. Anyway, we've been laughing our heads off. It simmers down, and my grandma, who's 93 and has been watching rugby league for, I reckon, 75 years, goes, what? It's got to hit the ground. I said, Nan, what are you doing? So she mate, didn't realise. That's hilarious. So, mate, tell me about your what, what was the field goal story with you, mate? Oh, oh you straight in there, didn't you? Oh, I thought it was a stitch. Have you like spoken before? Oh, yeah, I, I can't leave that down, that, that drop goal. So, story-wise, so... In rugby, you get bonus point for scoring four tries and, you know, by losing less than seven. So it's a bit of an, an intricate uh, uh, t- uh, ladder system. Anyway, it was the last game of the comp at home playing the Chiefs. And we needed a bonus point victory to make the semis. Mm-hmm. If we didn't, the Brumbies would go through. It was, you know, we'd scored two tries pretty quickly. The Brumbies told me after. They all started getting the drink. Oh, the boys, are, they're through for sure now. All, the Brumbies are on the drink. Anyway... You know, these are the days, you know, front, front rowers played 80 minutes, so I'm mm. playing 80 minutes. So the game went on, and, we're, we're, you know, we're, I think we scored two tries at this stage still. We're getting stuck on two tries. There's, you know, 15, 12 minutes to go. And, and you know, and the ruck's right here, and I'm directly 10 metres behind it. No one's behind me. I'm just sucking in the big ones. Just, <laughs> and they play advantage. And in rugby, they play advantage all the time. And that time, when you play advantage, kick the field goal, miss, get the penalty, and kick for touch. Anyway, the ball spat out the back of a ruck. Referee's blown advantage. I'm, you know, 35 out in the angle. I don't know. Whatever it is, I don't you know, remember. And anyway, I've popped this field goal. Just, just instinct. Just kicked it. And I start chasing it and go, oh, shit. So I start chasing it and chasing it, and it goes straight over. <laughs> Got in the game. Anyway, so, I'm, so we, we win the game, but we don't score the four tries. Yep. No one remembers dropping the ball over line. Like, like, I dropped the ball yep. over line once. Someone else did it. Like, we should have. It wasn't the reason, but anyway, it was a... It was a bit of a brain snap. Anyway, I had a miss. No one would have, no one would have cared. Anyway, it goes over and, you know, and I'll come back to halfway and what, the second row of Van Humphreys goes, did you drop kick that? I went, yeah. He went, oh, shit. It's like, you know, he was just in awe, just shock. Couldn't believe it. Anyway, so we don't go. The Brumbies apparently at that moment put their drinks down so we've got to play. <laughs> and so I turned, up to, I turned up to Silly Sunday the next day. It was our last game for the year. So we had a big drink Saturday, Sunday, Monday, as you do at the end of the, end of the thing. And I turn up Sunday, and I'm a bit late because I live at Barrera, so I always start after. I'd always start at Barrera Pub uh, and for a few beers there before I'd meet the boys at 10 a.m. You know, it's a fair you do. pub crawl. Yes, yeah, so Barrera. You know, I, 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 I drink till 6 a.m. Get wow. home, get up at 10. No start, wonder you know, start yeah. end, of, end of year, you know. And I start at Barrera Pub and I'd have a few beers there, and then I'd um, 
I'd, I'd, um, I'd head into town and I'm, I'm, I get in there and there's, a, there's, this, there's this photo of me kicking the drop guards on some funny face. <laughs> oh, the back, no, they had the back page of the paper. That's right, they had the back page of the paper. And they all had the back page of the paper on their shirts printed out. <laughs> and the reason this was funny is because the night after, because it, the reason it was funny is because it said Dumb and Dunning Part 2 <laughs> and making the drop goal. And they had all on their shirts, Dumb and Dunning. How they got it printed off in 24 hours. Brilliant. And they you look a bit like Lloyd too. That's yeah. good. Because Dumb and Dunning Part part 1 was a week before when it, you know, yeah, oh. yeah it's hilarious. So, um, I remember one of the, the, the funniest moments, well, not funniest moments, but I've never seen the Buena Vista pub in Mossman come alive at a time when you took the intercept. Like, talk, talk me through that. Like, what do you do? Because you, you're two, two massive big intercepts in, in two, two of your games. Yeah. You don't normally see a prop sort of no, it, looking it, for those options. It actually came up on Facebook. People text me. This, <laughs> it's, yeah, they, I think it got brought up again. It always gets brought up on bloody uh, Matty's show. He always puts me up. Fucking <laughs> anything. Because I think the other thing, everyone thinks it's probably Matty, but it's probably Benny Hogarth, because Benny Hogarth oh, I went to school with. Yeah, he's I know Benny's school. Game, ben. So he's yeah, probably right. the one stitching me up, not those blokes. <laughs> and I know Fletch and you guys well, but... I was first year of Super Rugby, so a bit unfit going 80 minutes. You get stuck out wide. Mate, the other front rowers say, it doesn't matter if they score a try, just as long as you don't miss the tackle. And I was sort of, that's not the way it works. So I sort of get caught in positions where there'd be a five-on-one and there'd be no option. So I just race out of line and take an intercept. And um, I was doing a show called, there was a show, there was a show called The Fat at the same time on yeah. ABC. Yep. Yeah. And they, they have all the, you know, and they have this caption show, we have to say something. And they'd show the, f- the footage of me taking the intercept. <laughs> and they say, right, go. And then after they show the footage, and someone goes, he looks like a kebab with a head. <laughs> <laughs> and the other one was, it was good thinking of Bob Dwyer to park the Mr. Whippy van down that end of the field. <laughs> That's good. Yeah, so it's good stuff. stuff. So, and I ended up oh, getting a spot in the fat with Kerry O'Keefe. Yeah. That's <laughs> <laughs> good fun, yeah. We'll hold it there for a minute. We'll be back right after this. It's no secret I love a gin. And one of our sponsors here, Lunch with Lee, is the Gin Society, which I happen to be a member of. When you sign up, they'll send you a full-size bottle of amazing craft gin delivered to your door every two months, plus the latest issue of their beautiful gin journal magazine and a surprise gift absolutely free. Each gin is sourced by a team of experts looking for exclusive, unique and exquisite drops from around the world. A subscription to the Gin Society is your passport to the world of craft gin. No strings attached. Cancel any time. Check out the website, www.ginsociety.com. All listeners of Lunch With Lee can enjoy an exclusive $20 off their order when they join the Gin Society. Simply visit www.ginsociety.com. Just use the code LUNCHWITHLEE20 at checkout. Spartan Sports is recognised as one of the world's most exciting and innovative sporting brands with a community focus. Our product range across cricket, rugby, football, volleyball, basketball and fitness has been developed to sell directly to any club, school, corporate or individual. Go to our website and order directly to your front door, www.spartansports.com. Spartan Sports, unearth the warrior in you. John O'Brien is a legend of Australia's beer industry. In 2003, he dreamed of producing a great-tasting beer that could be enjoyed by everyone, free from the ill effects of mass-produced wheat and barley. John began a brewing journey blending unique aromas and flavours offered by ancient grains such as sorghum and millet. He perfected recipes over time which have led to 40 local and international awards, including three gold medals at the Australian International Beer Awards, a gold medal at the Indies and a silver medal at the Beer World Cup. 
Proudly 100% Aussie-owned, made in Ballarat, O'Brien Beer is Australia's most awarded gluten-free beer and widely available around Australia through major retailers and online at rebellionbrewing.com.au. O'Brien Beer, the beer that loves your back. Hey, um, so Steve, tell, tell me through um, some of the players you played with in Manly. Hoppawati, for example. Got any good stories about him? Yeah, they've got, well, there's only a couple <laughs> I can tell, but um, before I tell a story about Hop, Hopper's a good guy. He, he does silly things. Yep. Uh, he coaches. He's got 11 kids, for starters. Jesus. Um, he's so he puts more than his finger into things. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not, no comment. Um, but so he coaches the kids. He, he's like, you know. He does some silly things on the field, but he's um, he's a good family man. Anyway, so we the story. So Hopper's religious. He's Mormon. So after the the incident's all gone down, and he actually got a uh, an offer from an alcohol company. It was like a bourbon right. company to some good some good cash. But obviously, because of his religion, he, he couldn't he couldn't do it. But he come and told us what the ad was going to be. So he was going to be sitting there all hanging around, and Hopper goes, "Hey boys, my shout." There's four of us four of us in the shout. He walks away, orders the bourbons, and it's hard because we haven't got visual here. You know, <laughs> you, guess, how you guess, carry yeah, four yeah. drinks. Yeah, like He's got fingers in the drink. He goes, here, boys, my shout. And he puts down the drinks, and they all look and just go, oh. No. <laughs> but it was really good cash, and it would have, you know, it was, was going, mate, I wish I could have done it. But he, four keggers, thanks. Yeah, yeah. That, yeah. Oh, that was it. Oh, was that? Yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah. Uh, funny. So, Matt, mate, um, going to a private school growing up, how, how do you end up, end up in a rugby union? At one stage, you were a, a weird keeper, I believe. Yeah, I, I love cricket and I loved, um, I loved cricket and I loved uh, rugby, but my cricket career sort of came to a bit of an end when I was sort of 16. I was a 110 kilo wig keeper. Uh, I didn't see, <laughs> much fu- didn't see much future in it, but um, no, it was, uh, I love cricket, played Green Shield at, at, around the corner here at North Sydney and played in the Hills cricket and had a lot of, good, a lot of fun. Cricket's a great game. I just, just couldn't stand the sledging in cricket. I reckon if you can't say it in the bar and someone can't punch yep. you in the face, you can't say it in the field. That's like, true. I, I, just, <laughs> <laughs> I reckon to get rid of sledging, if you say something and you can't say it in the bar, the bloke gets the belt you on the cricket field, it stops sledge, stupid sledging anyway. Mm. Anyway, but I um, yeah, I went to North Home Grammar, which is a 400 co-ed uh, little Christian school in yep. a bush in Arcadia, Fiddletown, and um, went there and um, obviously no Saturday rugby, but played, um, played for Eastwood. So I was playing Eastwood Colts in... Year 12, so I was 16, 17, under 20, so I was playing first grade and second grade Colts there. And then they, some this one year, they had a, the Irish schoolboys came out to play in 96 mm-hmm. on a tour mid-year, and it meant a few of the big GPS schools couldn't play. So they had selection trials. I went down to selection trial. I had a, broke, I had a broken arm. They'd take the cast off that morning and got picked in this Irish schoolboys game and then um, played the Australian schoolboys that year and um, on both the... Uh, the Irish test and the Kiwi test we went over New Zealand and it was fantastic with a guy called John Papahatsis who's at St Augustine's oh he was at St Augustine's great he was our schoolboys coach Australian schoolboys coach and yeah it was sort of like um, I was lucky I guess the fact that selectors knew I was playing at a Colts level when I was still at school so they gave me a crack and you know I didn't come to the traditional GPS system like a lot of people do Talk me through, um, talk me through Eddie Jones Eddie Jones, you see, he played under him. He's an interesting guy. I think Eddie's going to be on the podcast in a, in a few weeks' time. Oh, but, so I can um, unload. Yeah, you can <laughs> unload, mate. Unload. Get in now before mate, he gets, gets it on you. Eddie, from a head coach position, he's not my best coach I've ever had. He, he's very close. You know, right. He, he's really good. You know, some other coaches were technically who, who've really helped me in the scrum, and, mm-hmm. and that was really important, like, uh, you know, Michael Foley and a few others, that, and Andrew Blades, which, you know, which was probably 
more influential. But from a team coaching, he was the best sort of team coach I had. He was sensational. I always say this, I've never been spoken worse by anyone in the world. I haven't punched in the head. Really? You know, you know the way Eddie spoke to you was like, it was, it was full on. But it was good, you know. He, he, we, we worked hard, we trained hard, and he, he knew where you stood with Eddie. And, and what was the story about him sort of rating you at yeah, one-on-one yeah, one yeah. on, one on one meeting? So I, my first time I picked with the Wallabies was 2003. So I played Super Rugby in 2001 and 2002. Anyway, he picked me in the, the Tri-Nation squad as a fourth prop. In those days, there was only three mm-hmm. props in a team. The fourth prop would be the Double D, you know, dirt tracker, and, and would, <laughs> would tour and, but wouldn't play. Anyway, um, my first meeting, I walk in the room, didn't know me from Bar of, bar of Soap. He, uh, I walk in there and go, G'day, mate, you know. I'll, I'll go in and out of his voice, can't do it yeah. very well. Not as well as uh, Matt Giddo can. Yeah. Anyway, he sits me down, he goes, uh, he goes, 2001, Super Rugby season. He goes, seven being a world-class international football and zero being an effing stick. I shouldn't say that, but if you his words, like, you know, what would you give yourself? And I went, oh, you know, I'm, you know, first year, you know, two or three. No, a zero. <laughs> a zero. First time I met the bloke. He goes, 2002, same rating system. What do you give yourself? Mm. Well, I was a bit better. So I mm. said two again because I thought, you know. Yeah. Just you come from zero. Yeah. Two, he goes, no, another fucking zero. <laughs> You're dreadful. You're the worst prop in Super Rugby. You only got picked because the Waratahs are shit house. I'm going, oh, this is great. And he goes, 2003, same system. I go, oh, gee. I said, oh, one. He goes, no, a three. Much better. It's true. <laughs> That's why you're here. But I'm not picking you until you're a fucking four. Wow. And I, I don't care. I don't care. I don't care if someone goes down injured and I have to pick you up. I'll bring someone up. up. I'm not picking you to a four. How, how, how does that mentality go? I've played coaches that can berate. But it depends on the on the athlete himself. Like it, it works for some, but it doesn't work for well, everyone. I think that's the, the skill of the coach. Yeah. Yeah. The man manager. It's you know we have Bob Ford who was one you know one of the great. Well, the nine, the great nine, coaches. The ninety four Kangaroos <laughs> tour to, to the UK. Like that team is mm. brilliant. That's yeah, Bob Ford, yeah, Bob yep. Ford. Yeah, so yeah. we had him as, as a manly coach. Yep. So, but he we'd be in there and he would have to rip into Spud Carroll who's sitting up the front. He'd sort of let me and Cliffy do your thing out yeah. the back. He'd be saying, I need something from you. He'd be saying, Terry Hill, as soon as you get out there, you start sledging the, your yeah. opposite number. That's where we played best. Before yeah. kickoff, yeah. He, he played one day we're playing the Broncos. Steve Renouf was opposite Tezza. So they come out and Tezza, they haven't even kicked off as soon as he crossed that line. Yeah. You, mate, yeah. He's not, <laughs> isn't he? Steve Renouf's going, mate, could I, under, could I understand him? Nah, no, he couldn't. He's sprayed. <laughs> and <everything>. yeah. <laughs> but he, he's gone, mate, we haven't even kicked off yet. And he's like just ripping into him. Uh. And, it, and it got into his mind. So he, he needed to, and he, he, he said it to him, so as soon as you get out that second half, you go straight up to that ref and you... <laughs> so, but you, you need to manage different players and if to get the best out of someone if you need to do that and the, sure. the skill of it is is I need to rip into you but I can't rip into you or you'll drop your bottom lip but I can't be seen to be favouring one mm. person no, not gotcha. the other it, it's it's a tough skill to have and the great coaches can do the great it. team long term coaches, team coaches yeah. well, can, great, can do it. great coaches work with, with great leaders and senior players mm. with, within groups and yeah. as I said that 1994 Kangaroos tour to the UK with Bob Fulton but you know, guys like Meninga and Clyde yeah. pretty hard yeah, I reckon I'm going to coach that side to win like, I know. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> like, anyone who coach that side that is like that was like the, that was like the, the 92 dream yeah, team that's right that was unbelievable uh, uh, who, who were the big personalities and the, and the real leaders in, in that group oh, obviously Big Mal had, had an aura but then yeah. there was Alfie like he's a, yeah. he's a funny Fittler. Freddie was there um, yeah, you go across the whole thing yeah. Yeah, Ricky Stewart yeah. um, Brad Clyde Daly, Laurie Daly, Daly. Oh, yeah they're all, it's 
Glenn Lazarus, Lazo was there. He was a big aura. There's there's so many guys across the. Me and Wendell were, were the young the young kids on the right. on that tour. Um, but there was. Yeah, so many. Yeah, Kevin Walters was. Yeah, these sort of guys, sort of. Bobby Lydon on that tour, <clears throat> no, he was no. He's, I'm not that old. No, no, no. no but, but there oh, was. I, a, I love Bobby there was all these, all these great personalities, and to to tour, and I'm sure you guys do it more because league, literally, that was the last full kangaroo tour. Ten weeks, we had eight weeks in England, two weeks in France. But other yeah. than that, and we get Nick passed out in India. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> but other than that, we don't go away for more than two weeks. You know, you go right. on, uh, on a series, and that's all you do. So to be involved in, you know, the mateship, the bond, the togetherness that you have that's on why, that type that's of tour, what, and that's what, <clears throat> and that's what rugby always. People always say we had over rugby league was that yeah, ability yeah. to tour the world, yeah. and, and that's what rugby given to me is giving me that ability to know people travel the world all different cultures you know the old saying in rugby is you've got a mouth guard you've got a set of boots go anywhere in the world you play you find a team you get a job yeah, and you're set you don't yeah. need much else you know and that's, that's the beauty of rugby that it, what it can offer you and um, what about touring South Africa how was that oh mate I, I, I loved Africa Africa's one of the greatest places it's like yeah. I imagine it's what Australia was like in the 70s you know no, no responsible service of alcohol yeah. in Africa you know it's just go for your life you know um, but mate I loved it my first trip ever to, to First trip with the Waratahs to Africa was probably one of my favourites. You know, I'm, I'm with the Waratahs, I'm going to Africa, and I'm that excited because I hated flying, but I was flying right. business class for the first time ever. It's nice turning left <laughs> when you get on a plane. Oh, mate, I'd never oh, flown. I'm happy to fly. I hate flying, but when it's business, oh, I'm okay. Oh, what oh, the hell is this oh, a mate. rugby guy? Yeah, yeah, free oh, drinks. Oh, what? Free patches on your elbows there. So I'm, so I'm getting, I'm, I'm the first one on the plane for the first time ever. I'm in those Qantas pyjamas. Oh, yeah. Unfortunately, one size does not fit all. Oh. I'm wearing a midriff. So I'm in there first. I've got a red wine, a white wine. I've got a beer. I've got, you know, my sleeping tablets in the days yeah. you could take sleeping tablets yeah. and your painkillers. I was mixing them all. I was ready to go. <laughs> you know, I was ready to go on this trip. And anyway, the stewardess, she comes down the aisle with all the papers and she goes, she goes you want a paper? You want a newspaper, sir? I'm like, oh, geez. And she Shows me the Australian. I said, no, I can't read that. There's too many big words. <laughs> Herald, a bit close, but no, good telegraph. Give me the telegraph. So I go to the telegraph. Anyway, I, I, I open the back page and I'm going through it, watching the sport, and there's this article about the BMI index and, and rugby players. And alarm bells go off because yeah. the BMI is weight for height. And, yeah. you know, if you saw me when I was playing, I was about, I said six foot, but I was probably a little bit under. And I was, the program said 115, but I was pushing 125. <laughs> so I'm, I'm, I'm shitting myself. And I read this article and I'm reading, it says, on the BMI index, Phil War is obese. And I went, oh my goodness. Yeah. You know, yeah. Then it goes, Nathan Highmarsh on the BMI index is obese. Well, a bit closer. <coughs> then said David Lyon was obese. I went through a few bit, bunch of names. I shouldn't, I shouldn't shame blokes, but that's what they said. No, rip in, get rip in. Rip anyway, in. I've yeah. gone. Oh, they've missed me. How good is this? Anyway, so I, I go to sleep. Go to sleep. Anyway, I, I, you know, a few hours later, you know when you're asleep but you just feel people watching you? Yep. I'm feeling these people over me and I look up and there's just blokes everywhere laughing and giggling. <laughs> Mate, they pour water all over my pants. I think it was water. Anyway, um, they pour water on pants and, I, you know, and then they've, and then they've, buddy, they've put, you know, tape over here, this sore tomato sauce. Yeah. And they keep laughing and laughing. I go, well, this is... You do this every Childish. trip. It's, it's every trip. It's yeah. not that funny. They said, did you read that, in, that, that story? I said, yeah, I read it. And I said, Phil, you were in it. I said, Lionel, you were in it. But I, I missed it. They said, you didn't read the last paragraph, did you? I went, oh, shit. And the last paragraph <laughs> said, and on the BMI index, we were allowed, able to find one professional athlete who was morbidly obese, <laughs> Matt Dunning. <laughs> so, yeah, so that was it. So, but, uh, but that, that, that's like a long time ago. But you, you, since, since playing then, mate, you've, you've stripped you, – you, you, you're yeah, shadowy, so, shadowy yeah, your look, I've, myself, I've, mate. I've put a fair big on with young kids, but um, yeah, I went from 
when I retired, I probably uh, probably drank and ate too much in the and uh, at a good time, and I blew out to about 130 odd, which doesn't sound that heavy, but with no weight training, yeah, you know, I was, yeah, yeah. You know like 125, I was lifting a lot of weights, yep. would have known it, but I probably looked more, you know, I was de- I was definitely you know strong for for a rugby player, um, but. You know, I'd blown out, and I saw a couple of photos of me. One of the photos was playing for the Brow Rugby League team. I filled in for them after about <laughs> ten cans, and yeah, uh, I'd like to see that. Yeah, photo. I, yep. and, and, I, and I looked terrible. I looked we'll put it on our socials. Yeah, and I looked <laughs> yeah, horrendous. Yep. And you know, I saw that and went right. I'll, I've got to do something. You know, like if that's what I look like after two or three years post retirement, it's gonna, it's not. It's going to yeah. be. I'll, I'll be 150. I'll be. You know, I'm not going to make it. So, you know, I got on the got on one of the shake diets, the isogenics one. It doesn't matter which one I did, but I did the isogenics one. Anyway, I got into this stuff, and I. You know, the, the premise of my diet originally was that I wasn't going to give up drinking and I wasn't going to train. That was the whole premise. It was just on right. food. Anyway, I started doing this and just it just it's it just calories really. Like if you want yeah. to lose weight, yeah. you just don't eat. That, yeah. it, all all the other stuff. You know, the, yes, I'm not saying you can get five percent by eating the right foods, but the reality is, if you're really overweight, you need yeah. to eat a lot less. Yeah, it's just move more, eat less. Yeah, and so I just I just and the weight started coming off me, and then um, coming off me anyway. You know, I go from 130 to about 115. And I go. I'm not trained, so better. start doing a bit of boxing yeah. training, start doing off, more comes off me. Anyway, um, go through a few issues in my life and different things, and anyway, uh, you know, I decided to get off the piss and uh, get off the alcohol as well, and then next minute I'm 86 kilos Amazing, in man. seven oh, months. Six. 86. So oh, I'm, I'm over 100 now, yeah. so I've put a, you know, half it back on, but 86, I, 86, there wasn't much of me. But um, yeah, so I lost about 44 kilos in about um, seven months, seven or eight months, and um, felt great. Uh, my left ankle was... The best it's felt, you know. Um, I got a. Is that the one that sidestepped off? Yeah. Is that why? <laughs> that's the one that needs a fusion. It's just, it's just shot. Want to kick the field goal? No, yeah, that's the oldest weight when he's kicking the field goal. Yeah, I put it all on the one foot. So anyway, so yeah, I lost it, and um, yeah, no. So now I'm, I'm, I'm probably could lose another ten or fifteen now, but you know, I think a hundred kilos, ninety five kilos, I'd be all right. You know? and, and you haven't had a drink in what six and a half years? Yeah, six and a half years. Yeah, first, first professional athlete to uh, get fit, lose weight. Get off the piss after they retired. <laughs> <laughs> and BB, you still still fit, mate. You still just obviously did play a bit of touch and yeah, move, move trying to. My yeah. lower back's a little bit knackered, but the rest of me, the rest of me's pretty good. It's the knees and shoulders and everything um, work pretty well. So there's, uh, I I go through stages of yeah. You know, I do two weeks worth of training and then I won't do anything yeah, for I four weeks. But now. that's um, yeah, it's it's hard, you know, coming from a team sport and always you. There's a responsibility to train. You have to turn up because your team's there. You know what I mean. And when you're left to your own devices, it's it's hard, even as an ex-professional sports person, to to make yourself okay. This is what I'm going to do. I'm going to do it every day. I'm going to do it every day. It's it's difficult. It's hard after you've done your whole career, um, yeah. particularly at the intensity you train at. But um, but you guys now, um, the exciting thing we we all work. With, within the Spartan group, Spartan Sports, and uh, doing stuff with sort of community-focused and, and, and back to basics. I think we've all got kids now, and we sort of see how important sport was to us. So you're doing some great stuff both with the Rugby League and Rugby Union boys. You know, I'm, I'm loving it. It's, it's great. You know, as I said, I with my job and young kids, I've got, you know, older kids, I've got older kids too, 20 and 17, or great young, great young men, boys now, and sort of um, they're coming to the back end of their sort of uh, sporting stuff. My, my boys in his last year Waverley playing rugby, and... I'm just sort of watching rugby, so it's good to be actually get back into sort of grassroots rugby now with um, with Spartan. You know, I, d- I just love the model of of trying to help out clubs and and you know you know give them 
you know, great product at, you know, affordable rates. And, you know, some of these clubs haven't bought gear, new gear for years and years because they can't afford it. Yeah, sure. You know, there's, there's ways that, you know, through the club and their networks, they can get new gear and, and get looked after. And, you know, and, and, and the gear's quality, you know, at the end of the day, without giving a plug, I wouldn't, I wouldn't, I wouldn't dare uh, put something forward unless it was high quality. And, you know, it, the balls are fantastic. And I'm, you know, just love being involved with a company that has that focus of grassroots up. I think that's Agreed. the way, you know, like, mm. you know, all the models of selling to Rebel and, and that, it's all good. But I, I, the reason I'm involved is because it's it's direct to the clubs and, and it's grassroots based. And I think I think rugby especially, and as I said earlier, I'm not going to say I can solve the problems of rugby. Um, you know, I, I think it'd be disrespectful for me to do that. But I definitely know what I can do is being more involved in grassroots and help out that way. And um, I think, you know, that's the start of it anyway. That's fantastic. I think, well, I think we'll have some food now. Um, we're here at Lee's for Tuna Court and Crow's Nest. This is one of my favourites. I call him my Chinese brother, old Stanley, out, out the front there. <laughs> oh, yeah. But um, we'll probably order some lamb pancakes. I reckon a bit of uh, yeah, call. bit of Seng Choi Bao. What do you reckon, boys? Yeah, I can do that. I can do that. Probably yeah, some sure. crispy skin duck, and yeah, duck. We'll, we'll, we'll go from there. Salt and pepper, salt pepper, oh, salt pepper, pepper prawns. Yeah, yeah salt pepper prawns. But um, look, I really appreciate you both coming on the show. I think for me, growing up watching both rugby union and rugby league, two fantastic sports. I want to see them both continue to succeed. I want to see us back at the top in both. And I want to see you back in the F45 gym at Seaforth there, Beaver. You want to see more, <laughs> more, more Beaver in it? want to see more Beaver. <laughs> <laughs> okay, all right. You can never get enough of Beaver in the that's gym. That's right. <laughs> On that note, we'll take care. Thanks, guys. Thanks for coming. Cheers. Thanks, Thank you. Thanks, Lee. That's it for Lunch with Lee this week. A big thank you goes out to our guests, Steve Menzies and Matt Dunning. Thanks to Hilton Headley for your hard work behind the scenes. And thanks to our sponsors, Spartan Sports, The Gin Society and O'Brien Beer. Come find us online if you want more at our socials. I'm at Lunch With Lee. Make sure you hit subscribe on Apple Podcasts or Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts from. And do us a favour, hit five stars. And if you're passionate, leave a review. Next week, we'll be changing some more complete legends to discuss more about sport, music and business on another Cracker episode of Lunch With Lee. We'll see you then. <laughs> <laughs>